0: My name is Laurie Ellis and I'm a writer and editor with Scytheim. Today, I'm here with Mike King, Senior Director of Product and Strategy IQVIA and Phil Johnson, Senior Principal Quality and Compliance Solutions at IQVIA to discuss the need for and how to successfully deploy a fully integrated EQMS. I want to thank you both for joining me today. So let's just dive into the discussion. First. Mike, what is the driving need and what are the benefits to adopt EQMS within the industry?
1: Yeah, so first thoughts, I'd say increasing complexity and increasing regulatory burden in terms of the driving needs. So the the QARA teams have a lot that they need to do in the markets in terms of product design, development, testing and and general go-to-market strategies. And as those things become more complex, the the old routes of managing things through paper and Excel spreadsheet is something that's no longer efficient. So there's a a need there in terms of efficiency and ease of work. The the benefits actually go above and beyond the quality management system and the QARA teams. So a good commercially focused strategy that enables a a team to deploy a good focused QMS is of benefit for go-to-market strategies, It's of benefit for patients and customers, It's a benefit for company employees, and and when you expand that quality management system further, it can actually support a whole host of things in terms of training, developments, and audit support. So there's a lot that can go on from a QMS, but but ultimately the key driver is increasing complexity and the need to bring control to the process, and the benefit is
0: commercial, inclusive
1: of QARA. Well, do you have any additional
0: insights?
2: Yeah, I think one of the things is the the increase for more data, um, you know, more and more the uh, different kind of quality ac- applications, regulatory applications calling for um, increased access to data, either, you know, through post-market surveillance, as an example, but um, also, you know, a lot more people are working remotely. People may be kind of in different locations globally that uh, are working and accessing that data and, and, and also reviewing and signing it off. So having them under a single system, so certainly a single EQMS, makes that um, makes a, a, a lot easier to manage.
0: So Phil, when beginning deployment of an EQMS, it can feel like a daunting task. What should the initial considerations be and what should be prioritized?
2: Well, you know, if we're talking about a kind of global system, I mean, it's really important that we um, have proper planning, um, really to make. I mean, by this time, the the EQMS would have been purchased. People have made their decisions on why they wanted it um, and what modules are going to be implemented first. Um, but also, there, there there's still maybe some kind of areas of prioritisation, as you, as you are. So, really proper planning. Um, is one of the kind of key things um, when you start looking at deploying EcoMS. And also, second to that, um, but integral, is really how well that is communicated across the organization, all the people that are going to be involved, all the stakeholders, and how you're also going to pull in people um, that may sit outside of the quality management system where you're taking data from, like suppliers. Proper planning is, is
1: absolutely key and I, I did smile too that I've, I've been involved in a lot of projects over the years on different IT systems and, and really planning is key as is prioritisation. I think when you're looking at deploying a quality management system you need to focus on the big ticket items first. So what's the most significant opportunity or the most significant risk for the organisation is is key and within that comes scope control and the avoidance of scope creep. So there are some times in a project where you do need to make certain changes and adjust and re-resource accordingly. There are often times though, when the driver for such a change isn't necessarily commercial or compliance focused, but rather it's a personal preference. And um, at times people will try and push through changes to products or or features or or whatever it may be um, based on familiarity of the past. So I I think, um, you know, when you're looking at these considerations and moving forwards, build for the future, begin with the end in mind and make sure the changes that are being driven are truly those that have value for the commercial organisation. And they're not just those that are built on a historic preference because there's many different ways of working. And quite often as you migrate to different systems and as you work in a different way, you actually discover better ways of working as part of that journey.
0: For those that have made decisions based on experiences in their past, and now they find that through different circumstances, they need to change strategies. What should or what can they do?
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's a good question because we we actually face that um, in real time with um, with some of the uh, people that are EQMS, not not just with SmartSol, but generally other kind of EQMS systems. Is you know there can be personal preferences where where they want things added to. Um, the system when it's being implemented and these things can be what we term customised, um, they're really not out of the box and it can have quite a significant impact on implementation if you've got several people that have personal needs. I mean they they may come from different um, departments and they may, geographically, they may be in different places and if you're trying to implement um, certain Workflows into the modules that are only going to be useful maybe for one department and also maybe a, a very small um, component of the EQMS. So it is really important to to get the people together, I would say, and try and make them understand the significance of the change that they're asking to be made, and really whether you know whether it is focused uh, well focused on the business needs. And I'm sure Mike's had plenty of experience in, in this space as well. So.
1: Yeah, yeah, and again, I'm I'm smiling, which is not, not particularly useful for a, a podcast, but uh, I, th- I think there are times as well in the industry where we just need to stop and regroup. And if I look at the, the world of QARA, we have an awful lot of things in our toolkit that we can use to help navigate this level of complexity and change. So new things such as the, the tools for root cause analysis, the tools for strategic planning, the tools for prioritization we we use these on a daily basis um, for you know different types of activities within within the world of medical devices and pharmaceuticals so using these tools or similar methodology and plans actually helps us get through some of these challenges and they do help us understand what is the true root cause of the challenge we're facing and how can we reprioritize accordingly so um yeah, my my sort of key thoughts on that is you know, stop regroup have a think but utilise those tools that we already use on a daily basis, because when you apply them in a very um, controlled way to the project, it helps strip out some of the emotive drivers that could be causing some of the challenges in terms of those preferences and changes.
2: Yeah, it can be quite a difficult balance though, can't it, Mike? I mean, you've got the the regulatory and quality needs, but then you've got the business needs of the people that, you know, have, have are paying for this implementation, and obviously increasing the time of the implementation. So you're you're having to weigh up two sides of the organisation when people start introducing, um, you know, changes against the plan.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. I think that goes back to your your point of communication, actually, Phil. And I, I know we've spoken about this offline, but there's um, there's a whole host of drivers and influences sometimes that, whilst well intended, aren't necessarily technically correct. And I think having the ability to go back to the senior stakeholders and help recalibrate expectations is, is something that can be quite challenging, particularly when when those individuals may be senior to yourselves. And I think that's part of the trick with the, the overall change programme. It's, it's having enough touch points that you can telegraph the direction of travel, you can catch any potential changes but also you can recalibrate the desires of stakeholders who understandably are trying to get as much as they can for as little um, as possible, which is you know, commercial business as a whole, really.
2: Yeah, so so the setting up of a steering committee may seem a little bit excessive, but I think in past experience, that's that's really the only way to go is for the stakeholders that are not actively involved in the daily use of the EQMS. You know, they're, they're there as the um, I'd say overriding decision makers on uh, you know what should happen.
0: What level of harmonisation should take place then prior to deployments?
1: I, I was going to say as much as is reasonably possible, which I know has got enough caveats in there to give me a get out. Now I, I think you um, know two or three key points. If if you're looking at consolidating systems or processes, or if you're looking to change uh, from a process that's heavily embedded in the existing system it's important to sit down and look at the delta and the change that's coming. Um, You know, systems are like concrete. So as soon as you pour that system into an organization, those processes will become a lot more solidified. And if you haven't harmonized those processes and if you haven't addressed any changes through that change program and communication, you you will have challenges at deployment. Um, The reason I say as much as is reasonably possible, that there comes a point in the law of diminishing returns where you just need to go get it done and experience the change and notice that you're going to have the course correct. What what I would say though, is it's important to change as little as possible in flight. So where, where I've worked on projects where you've started off doing something and then a lot of additional requirements come in that are not essential, you can quite quickly drift away from out of the box for reasons that aren't essential and create something that has a lot of manual intervention or workarounds that, that pretty much mitigate any benefit from the system in the first place. Um, see so yeah, as as much as it is reasonably possible to minimize the change in flight, but but also recognize that at some point you need to decide to go. And that's often when you're about eighty percent where you need to be. right it's the rough eighty twenty rule,
2: yeah, I mean, I think it, something we do see is um we keep talking about um the the amount of data uh, that we we need and we use for trending. I think in within the harmonisation, there also has to be an approach to make sure that you're not putting data into the system, legacy data into the system, that is just going to clog it up. You know, you maybe get asked to trend data over five years. Putting free data into a system that may be 12, 13 years old, um, you know, really may not have any benefits. On I mean, you put it in as you know, as a, a completed report, but actually having it as searchable data sometimes um, really. Um, is it, not efficient and, you, you know, you end up with a lot of kind of unusable data in the system. So, um, that's something that really needs to be looked at, um, you know, during deployment or really prior to deployment, part of, the, part of the planning.
0: What types of business considerations should we consider when deploying an EQMS? A- so, I'm going to start with you on that
2: there's a lot of things that need to be looked at here. I mean, one of the th- things that should be looked at is bringing maybe a product or, or, or a team under the EQMS that you know, may be a subject of um, like in a di- divesting. You know, you may be actually divesting this particular product line or department or things like that. So again, really part of the kind of planning, you, you really need to have a look at the business needs when you're implementing kind of um, EQMS, also you know you, you may be um, you know introducing new product lines um, that have uh, you know additional requirements. They so may be high-class products, and you should take that into consideration when you're deploying it. Don't d- don't deploy it then six months later. You realize that uh, the the products that you were talking about that you have planning and development and things like that have additional needs within the EQMS. So. Really, yeah, look look where the business is going. Also consider, um, you know, whether you really need to um, really congregate every, every department under a single EQMS. I mean, sometimes, you know, you may benefit by um, keeping some functions, you know, on, on a separate system. Still, still introducing EQMS, but not under, the, under that same kind of uh, same system.
1: I, I agree with Phil, and I, I was thinking, actually, um, I think a key thing in deploying an EQMS is to tie it back into commercial language. So when you look at the benefits in, in general terms, there's three. Um, you know, an EQMS can help drive top-line growth An EQMS can improve the cost of compliance in effect or, or reduce the cost of non-compliance uh, of moving those things in in a positive way. And it can also support better utilisation of existing resources. So if if you can demonstrate those three things, and if you can tie the deployment of the QMS to those key commercial objectives, which are often intertwined, it actually helps with the success of the project, the communication pathway, and the change program. And, and for me, when I you know when I look at a quality management system, it's more than just a thing for QA,RA. It, it's actually a system that supports the good running of a business and an organisation, and it brings you know a focus on good results, which in healthcare are quite closely linked to patient safety.
0: So then, Mike, what
1: are some of the misconceptions regarding EQMS? I'll give two, and I'll talk at the two poles of the extremes, and then there's there's a multitude of those in the middle. Um, I think the first one, I'd, I'd say, is um, from the outside, sometimes it can appear to be a QARA thing only. Uh, so, you know, QMS, it goes above and beyond the work of quality and regulatory professionals, and it, it's something that should be tied to good commercial practice and good business objectives. To jump from the other pole, um, I would say sometimes within a QMS and we see this with change programs, um some QAR professionals can be convinced there's only one way of doing things. That's also not correct. Um, uh, you know, absolutely, there are sort of rules and regulations and key gateposts you have to step through. Um, beyond that, there's a lot of variants and options to do things in in a different way. Um, so they're they're kind of the two gateposts that I see, and there's a whole range in between, but you know ultimately, If we can bring the QARA teams and the commercial teams together to speak the same language and focus on the same outputs, those misconceptions can largely be um, mediated.
2: Yeah, I mean, uh, some comments you hear. I mean, I think uh, some of one of the misconceptions is about there there are too many control points, Um, you know, when you're going into Ecoms, maybe, you know, forcing unnecessary reviews and approvals. And that's really unfounded because you you have the you have the ability to set the same number of reviews and approvals that you may be doing in your paper system. You may just have an option for um, for many more, and um, I think that's one of the kind of criticisms. I've seen that where we've been, um, you know, talking to manufacturers about s- um, switching from from EQMS and and it's um, you know it's some it's somebody giving up what they've really been controlling for, for several years so sometimes it's a little bit of a personal view on you know on, on too many reviews and approvals. I think one of the other things is about um, the rigidity of, of modules we, we talked a little bit about kind of uh, customers, wanting um, you know customization in 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 the EQMS I mean the, the ways that the, the modules are written within kind of EQMS that there, there is a degree of flexibility you have a workflow that you know will normally follow the regulations that's the first kind of requirement but um, you know there, there is a degree of flexibility without um, having to do I would say you know customization.
0: Well thank you Mike and Phil for taking the time to have this conversation with me today. I would also like to thank the sponsor of this podcast, IQPO, for making this great discussion possible. Have a great day.